All right. So with that, though, uh, we are at the top of the hour. Thank you all so much for being here. And I would love to just formally welcome everyone to this week's CCL training program. It's a weekly webinar of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides CCL supporters like you and I with access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'll be your host tonight. And our topic is the 2024 Farm Bill Legislative Overview. We're going to be joined by CCL's Vice President of Government Affairs, Ben Pendergrass, for a training that will orient CCL volunteers towards what we expect the Farm Bill process to look like for the year, what CCL's priorities will be within the package, and how CCL advocates can work with their members of Congress to help ensure that the climate provisions are maintained. To get us through this presentation tonight, let me introduce our speaker. Ben Pendergrass serves as our Vice President of Government Affairs, is part of our CCL Government Relations Team in Washington, D.C., and in this role, he works to advance the policy goals of CCL in Congress. Ben has over 20 years of experience in D.C., both as congressional staff and as government relations professionals. For several years, Ben served on the legislative side of Senator Pete Domenici, but most recently, he has been Senior Vice President, Policy and Legislative Affairs for a National Trade Association. So if you have any other questions around those topics for Ben, feel free to put those in the chat too. And if we've done our job well, we'll walk away with the following three learning goals tonight. We're gonna to have the chance to review a brief background of the Farm Bill and point in the direction of other resources to help you go more in depth on that if you're interested, as well as the legislative process that it navigates in Congress. We're gonna discuss the Inflation Reduction Act's funding provisions that include especially agricultural climate and conservation provisions. And then we're going to explore our focus as an organization and the goals that we have for this session's Farm Bill. We're gonna start with an overview. We're then gonna, again, review the Inflation Reduction Act provisions and then talk about our focus and goals before opening it up for a question and answer discussion. With that, I'll put a link where you can follow along once more with the slides in the chat. Thank you all so much for joining us and I will pass it to you, Ben. Well, good evening. Thanks everybody for coming. I think this will be a more of a an update than a definitive training because the farm bill has certainly been something of a moving target this year. Um, people might remember it was originally set to expire back in September of 23, and they had an extension, a one-year extension to September of this year. And so we're already off the normal timeline of approving a new farm bill every five years. And this year looks to be interesting as well, where it is not necessarily a straightforward process. Congress it seems to like to throw a lot of curveballs um, during this particular uh, session, and it looks to be that way with the Farm Bill. But let's start with a, a brief overview. We've done some in-depth training on the Farm Bill in the past, so I'm not going to like go into all the details. But as a brief overview, what is the Farm Bill? Well, it's one of these pieces of multi-year legislation. They don't pass one every year. They usually pass one every five years, kind of like the highway bill and some of these other big reauthorizations. And then the, the, these programs carry on for, for multi-years. It consists of several titles, uh, 12 titles in total. There's a commodities title, a conservation subtitle, a trade subtitle, nutrition, credit, rural development, research and extension, forestry, energy, horticulture, crop insurance and miscellaneous. And then there's a lot of stuff that goes in that miscellaneous subtitle. But all these tiles are not created equal. This is a breakdown of the previous farm bill that we're still living an extension of. And you can see 
that these titles are not equally funded. The Farm Bill really could be called the, the Nutrition Bill. Most of the funding in the Farm Bill goes to nutrition. Um, SNAP benefits. These are what, you know, once upon a time would have been called food stamps. It's nutrition assistance for families. That is always the biggest piece of the Farm Bill. And then you can see you get into things like crop insurance that are like 9% and commodities that are 7%. And most important to us is the conservation subtitle. Right there, you can see that blue wedge. And in the previous Farm Bill or the one that we're currently operating, that was about 7% of the total funding of the Farm Bill. And everything else, that little tiny sliver there, all the other subtitles, forestry, miscellaneous, rural development, that's all in that tiny sliver. So we've now gone on, we've had five years of that Farm Bill, and the new Farm Bill is going to have a completely different baseline. We've had a lot of inflation, costs go up for farmers, costs go up for nutrition. So right now, the baseline they are thinking this current Farm Bill is going to be more in the tune of $1.5 trillion, three times more than what the previous Farm Bill is. And this is where a lot of the arguing on the Farm Bill comes in, like, where that baseline is, and then they've got to like decide how to allocate this money. And this is where a lot of the the negotiations and infighting come from. And this factors into some of the IRA money. Should that IRA money for conservation be folded back into that baseline and just say, well, that's you already got some conservation money, so we're not going to give you the same amount that you would normally have under the farm bill. So that's where some of the argument is. And one of the things that is also moving, if they wait too long to get a farm bill done, they might have to go back to CBO and get a new baseline based on inflation and rising costs and things, and then have these arguments all over again. There's usually a process. So normally, and during a farm bill process, about the year before you need to renew a farm bill, you start having hearings. They have done that. They were having hearings all last year um, in the early part. Then you go to what's considered in the committee phase, the markup. So the farm bill is always written by the agricultural committees. It's not written by the Senate or House as a whole. The, the committees work on this. This is their big part of work where both the House and Senate committees start to draft and debate and eventually mark up the next iteration of a farm bill. Neither committee has yet released text of this current farm bill, even though we should be there. Like, nobody knows unless you're working in the committee or on those members what exactly the what they call the base text which would be the text they work off of. Nobody knows what's completely in there yet. Like, I mean, we can know from the previous farm bill, most programs are there and it's all about whether or not you increase funding, decrease funding, make changes to programs, but that structure is kind of there, but we have not seen what the current farm bill looks like. So theoretically, we're in this process, both committees will finalize a bill, they will hold a markup, and amend what they bring up in committee and then report that bill out to the full Senate and the full House, and then you have a vote. The House bill and the Senate bill are always really different. And so after that, once those bills pass, they usually have to go back to a conference committee. And out of that conference committee, there is one bill that they agree and negotiate on 
the thing has to go back to both the full House and the full Senate for a final vote. You can't amend the conference report like all the wrangling goes on within the conference committee, which is usually appointees from each of the Senate uh, Agriculture Committee and the House Agriculture Committee, and they negotiate. You come back, you have a full vote, and then if that passes, it goes to the president's desk. Obviously, we've always gotten a, a farm bill. Now I'm going to tell you what's kind of going on in a kind of alternate process. So right now, what it looks most likely, because of just like the politics and things, uh, that the Senate will probably not release a bill even in committee until they know what the House is going to do. And what's most likely is the Republican majority in the House is going to bring a partisan bill to the floor that they have to, a lot of their membership, there's always been a lot of opposition to some of the programs in the Farm Bill and <clears throat> some of the nutrition stuff, some of like some of the subsidies. So there's always wrangling over this. They will likely bring a partisan bill that cannot attract any Democratic votes and will likely may not even have enough Republican votes. They will bring that to the floor. It will either pass or fail. But even if it passes, it was is dead on arrival in the Senate. So then what they will then have to do is go back and release a new version of the bill to bring to the floor that can attract bipartisan support in the House. And historically, farm bills have always had to attract bipartisan support. There's kind of a, an agreement for farm districts and states. They get the farm portion of it. For more urban districts, it, the, the SNAP benefits are very important. So there has to be this consensus and this coalition to really get a farm bill over the line. So this time, like, so then hopefully the House passes that bipartisan bill. Then the Senate will theoretically release their bill and start marking it up and make that public. And the process ideally for them will move forward from there. Now I put this in here because we've been having a lot of conversations. They did one extension already. And ideally coming back off that extension, they should be going through this process in March and April. It is very unclear whether or not between the continuing funding fights, partisan gridlock, and the upcoming election of whether or not they will actually have time to do all the things they need to do to debate and pass a farm bill this year. So there is a reasonable chance that they will actually do another extension that will kick the farm bill to either the lame duck or more likely to 2025. That's not to say that action now doesn't have impacts and doesn't help move the conversation along, but um, I don't believe, well, somebody said that it was a long time uh, since staffer. Nobody knows what's going to happen with the Farm Bill as of this week. Like, predictions are very hard to come by. We still have to act like and assume we're going to continue to move through the legislative process and try, but it is looking like it is definitely a possibility that this gets extended once again. Um, they won't do that extension now. They will continue to try to work on it and maybe into the summer. But when we get into that summer, that's when uh, theoretically they need to get a new baseline number and kind of work on those numbers from scratch again. All right. So I didn't want to go any further depth in like all the different subtitles and what all the problems are in the Farm Bill. We've done a train on the Farm Bill before that gives some of the history and stuff like that. I think everybody can go back and check that out. Um, 
I wanted to focus more on, you know, the very specific part that's that's really key to like what we're concerned about right now. And that is the climate and agriculture conservation funding that was included in the IRA. This has really been part of the centerpiece of like where some of the tension is in the farm bill when it comes to climate. Um, the IRA included, uh, I believe, 19.5 billion. There's some different numbers that flow around it, just the way they like score and, and determine like how much money is in the Inflation Reduction Act, which sometimes produces different numbers depending on what you're talking about. But generally speaking, the general what we talk about is almost $20 billion in funding for climate and conservation that was included in the IRA. And this is not a one year thing. This is over the next 10 years. But as you recall that slide, the previous farm bill included about 27 billion for conservation. So this is a lot of money in this space. I mean, if somebody had thought about plussing it up that much in just a farm bill, um, that would have been a really um, high bar to clear. And so this money is really important. All right, the primary things that goes to are the over the course of the, the bill, there's 8.45 billion for the environmental quality incentives program. So EQIP provides technical and financial assistance to agricultural producers and forest landowners to address natural resources concern. And that can include a bunch of stuff that is important to, to climate like soil health and things like that. I mean, it also touches on improved water quality, uh, reduced soil erosion and sedimentation, improved wild habitat for wildlife, um, helping to mitigate against drought and weather volatility. I mean, there's a lot of things in there and it provides some financial assistance, but also, you know, um, technical assistance as well. The next one is the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. There's about 4.95 billion for that. That's specific projects. They usually provide grants to partner organizations, states, other entities, to do specific work, like say, restore a specific wetland or something like that. So like they usually release these grants, there are millions of dollars that work on these specific projects with partner organizations, and they can be around a lot of different things. And so that's, that's working, not USDA doing these things, but working with the partners. The next one is the Agriculture Conservation Easement Program. So this provides money to keep farmland farmland, basically, and for some of it to, oh, no, I might have skipped ahead to the conservation stewardship program. Right, so these, this is the program that offers farmers specific payments for undertaking certain practices. So say if you're doing no-till or some other conservation practice that improves soil quality, you can actually get paid as a farmer to implement these and then continue them. So it's a, a strong inducement for farmers to undertake some of these practices that we'd like to see them do. Now, after that is there's 1.4 billion for the agricultural conservation easement program. This is the one that helps farmers and other entities protect and restore wetlands or working farmland. And so they, they, they get money for putting things into easement that says you can't develop it. You can't turn it into houses. You're going to keep it farmland. And so, of course, that has benefits for the climate because it keeps 
um, carbon that's stored in the soil and these is there because it remains to be wild. And then lastly, the big program we're talking about is, and small one, is a billion for conservation technical assistance. So this and, and all these things, if you look at USDA, they tried to provide farmers, ranchers, and forest producers with knowledge and tools to create plans for their farms, access these programs, use them, institute some of these things. It is, it's just like anything else. It's a skill they have to learn. And so this is one of the programs that helps to provide that one-on-one -on -one assistance to go to a farmer and help him help him implement these things. And why we're covering these things is because this was all the programs. And there were there were some other smaller pots of money that were included in the IRA, but these were the big pots with these these programs that um, farmers currently use, know how to use, and are and are really important to conservation. And that gets to our focus and goals. And the main one, and this remains super important, is protecting that money. That money was a giant down payment that really plussed up these programs. All these programs have been oversubscribed. There's never been enough money for how much need there is. And this money was really put in there to try help try to, to bring it up to what is needed. And it has been under threat. There already has been a house vote last year to strip some of this money. And like I said earlier, as part of the farm bill debate, there's ongoing tension of like folding this money just back into the farm bill generally where it could be reallocated. There have been some proposals floated to put it to a um, new commodity subsidies for specific crops um, in some of the southern states that uh, do have some needs that they would like to see addressed. But one of the things is like this is this money is too important and we know that this is where a lot of the fight is going to be. So our focus is going to continue to be on we need to protect this funding in the current farm bill and make sure it does not get reallocated in any way that here this is a historic investment and we want to keep it that way and the one of the most important talking points and we'll continue to roll this out is why would you besides the the importance to climate and conservation why would you take money away from farmers all across the country that benefits people and uh, agriculture producers in every state and give it to a specific subset of farmers in just a few small regions um you're really kind of if you do this you're you're harming your constituents and this is one of the points um the third one that we really want to hammer home and and we'll talk about this a little bit more one of the first things that we are are doing we're rolling out the climate action program for february and it's going to be focused on continuing to preserve this ira money and and this is this is going to be the big win. This is going to be one of the most important wins in this farm bill. If we can make sure we make it through this process and this money is preserved, that is the first brass ring that we really want to get. And we will come out in a much better place if we make it through one farm bill cycle and we know that money is safe um, for the next five years. So under what we've had with some of our secondary asks, one of the things with the farm bill is yeah, it's negotiated in the committee. It's not like a 
uh, normal piece of legislation where members introduce it. It's out there. Everybody can see it. You get co-sponsors and you can build support for it and it just passes. This is really, in some ways, a closed process because the, the, the committees are working on it. People, a lot of groups, um, think tanks, advocacy might provide like some broad recommendations to the committee on pieces of the farm bill that are of particular interest to them, but you don't really see it. So one of the ways you can influence the farm bill is through what's so-called marker bills. And this is what the focus of like some of our secondary asks earlier in the year were. First and foremost is the Increased Technical Service Provider Access Act of 2023. Now this might not seem like that big of a deal, but when you take it in combination with all that IRA money, with all that IRA money, the USDA now has more conservation money that they need to use and get into the hands of farmers and build out programs than they've ever had before. But they don't have enough staff to do it. If you if you go to the USDA website and like read up about some of these programs, they talk about one-on-one -on -one help for farmers, where like somebody will come and help them draft a plan. There's not enough USDA personnel to do that. So this is where technical service providers come in. And right now there's not enough technical service providers because there's not enough that USDA can train and certify. That's what the Increased Technical Service Provider Act is meant to remedy. Then they like legitimate people still need to get certified and have the right skills, but it's allowing USDA to certify other entities to provide some of the training and certification for these folks. This is why this has been such a focus because it will allow us to use all that money more smartly and get it into the hands of farmers where they can use it and producers and forest owners if this gets rolled up into the farm bill. And we've had a lot of success with this. You know, I should have looked before I got on the call because I, I think I get a notification almost every other day that there's a new co-sponsor for the TSP Access Act. And I know a lot of those co-sponsors have come from CCL advocacy starting in June. We saw a big uptake. And it honestly might be one of the most bipartisan bills in Congress right now, because across both sides of the aisle, they have they have seen the need for it. And there might even be up to like, trying to remember the last numbers, might be like 15 or 20 more Republicans on the House side than Democrats. But I know we just add some more Democrats. But then I, I can see Brett's eyes moving. If I had to guess, he has an updated co-sponsor number. We do. Yes, this is just coming in live from congress.gov. I put the link in the chat here. Before CCL's Lobby Day ask in June last year, the bill only had nine co-sponsors. It is now up to 49. So that, that's a pretty good increase. And I think, I really do think with everything going on, because of that advocacy, because of people talking about, because it's a smart bill, I think it has a really good shot of getting wrapped up into the farm bill. Whenever they finally get the, the base text out, I think we're going to see it be part of it, but we can't take it for granted. We have to keep building the co-sponsor list and keep talking about it. And I think, well, I know it's going to continue to be a focus of ours. And I hope, I hope with some of the background with the IRA, it makes more sense of why this is a focus. Um, and so I, we need to keep, we really need to keep focus on it, but um, 
that is one of these so-called marker bills. And the other one we started with that has not gotten the same amount of traction is the Seedlings for Sustainable Habitat and Restoration Act. Now, this would help establish greater seed banks for forced, refor forced reforestation after you know, natural disasters, fires, et cetera. And we have not seen the same kind of um, interest in it. And I don't know if that's because we have been so focused on the other one. It's still a good bill. There's nothing wrong with it. We're going to keep it as one of our secondary asks as we talk about these things. But one of the things I'll just be open with, we, the way CCL operates, marker bills were a really good place for us to engage on the farm bill. And, and you have to remember too, we, we do have a narrowing agent. We, we try to focus on things that do have an impact on healthy forests. We're not getting involved in every aspect of the farm bill and talking about different ways to do crop insurance or subsidies that not really, we had this kind of narrow focus. And not as many marker bills that members anticipate or we anticipated in our conversations got introduced in the timeline we thought they would. Like we thought there would be a couple more really good pieces of legislation that we could uh, sink our teeth into earlier. And I think some of the dysfunction um, in Congress has delayed the introduction of some of these things. So it's been a little bit harder to, to focus in on some of these things, but these bills are still good. Um, but if you had to pick one of being the most important, it's definitely the Technical Service Provider Access Act of 2023. Now that said, there are two bills we're watching and you might see some more action on this. One is the Advancing Research on Agriculture and Climate Impacts Act of 2023. This is also a bipartisan bill in both the House and the Senate. They were just recently introduced before, at least the House version, like before the holiday. And it really is all about research and directing USDA to figure out better ways to measure quantify and study carbon soil sequestration. Like it's, it's really great that both Republicans and Democrats are talking about this and the need for figuring out how to sequester more carbon through conservation practices, through land management, these things. And so what this bill would do is direct USDA to really make that a priority, come up with new methodology. And I don't know if we'll see this exact bill, because it's really, there's some technical things, but I think we will see if we push it in this one thing, I think we get for is just this need to quantify carbon through sequestration through all these conservation practices. And so this is a really important topic just as far when we talk about climate, agriculture, conservation, how much carbon are we actually sequestering? What practices are best? These are things that USDA really needs to be looking at. And the other one is the Crop for Farming Act. This is a really interesting bill because those programs I talked about earlier that pay farmers to undertake certain practices, what this bill would do is it would add reducing emissions of nitrous oxide or methane or storage of carbon in the soil to things that you can actually get paid to do as a farmer. Now, you guys probably all remember the Growing Climate Solutions Act, which kind of did a um, market-based approach to this where farmers could undertake these practices and then it helped them connect with the market to sell those carbon credits. 
this is this the the is the next step forward almost where not only can they sell those carbon credits on the on the market and access that marketplace but like usda now does for certain practices farmers could potentially get paid to do some of these things directly through these programs and this is the first time um this has had bipartisan support as an idea and so this is this bill i think is is pretty exciting it's bipartisan in both the house and the senate um and so this is something that we're going to be keeping an eye on and you might see um some more action around so and this goes to where i can like take some questions the 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 dynamics really now are really fluid and things are changing and one of the the things with the farm bill because there is no text out there we don't know what's in it we know the basic outline from the previous bill we know yes these programs exist but we don't know the numbers we don't know the technical adjustments being made to the conservation program yet is when that text gets released that's the next place where we can have an impact when committees go to markup there will be amendments there will be some things that like the TSP Access Act that we hope is in the base text of the bill and won't need to have like an amendment and like that's our goal for it to be in the, the text they release. But then there might be some things that are good that folks can then see didn't make it and then maybe offered in committee as an amendment. And um, we can activate around that to push those amendments that are good and potentially defeat amendments that would try to strip out some of the good stuff. and even though we want to have a plan now, we really can't activate around those things until it starts to happen, until that committee markup happens, until we see that bill text. And so that's why I say stay tuned because when these things start to roll out is really when a grassroots organization and concerned um, constituents can really have the impact. Um, whereas now we, we don't have precise things to point to. Um, as I said earlier, but we are still starting to engage. The CAP program, the action will be on the Farm Bill and preserving that IRA money. And we've already done actions around TSP Access Act. We did actions around preserving that money, I think even as far back as last fall, but not last fall, last spring, when there were some votes being taken in the House. So like this one, I say stay tuned because when these things start to trickle out and we will definitely be swinging into action but it's again like our number one priority really needs to be to protect that additional money that was part of the ira and with that i'll say i'll just give a shout out to our agriculture enforced action team they have been great super knowledgeable providing background resources and things and i think if you want to learn more and engage around op-eds and learn more about reaching out to people within the agriculture community, the place to go is definitely that action team. Um, and they've been awesome and I can't thank them enough for all the hard work they've done. We do, thank you so much, Ben, for that wonderful review. And a reminder again, we're going to the end of any of our trainings and then be able to kind of um, click that link and enter Farm Bill Overview, for example, you'll see that one for tonight. And a reminder again, that if you have any questions after tonight, um, the easiest way to get to our discussion is by going to our forums, cclusa.org forward slash forums, and we would love to continue the dialogue after this. So with that, I thank you so much, Ben, for making time tonight. 
We have reached the top of the hour. We really appreciate all the time and leadership that you've put into helping us interpret what to expect for the year ahead, especially with our Healthy Forest Policy Agenda. And I'm going to unmute all lines as we sign off and say goodnight. Stay safe, everyone, and have a wonderful night. Thank you guys night. for all your work. Really hey, thanks, everybody. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.